Hello everyone and welcome again to another Teacher Joseph podcast. Well, today we're going to talk about shadowing because I've had some emails from you asking me for clarity around it. Many of you still feel that it's quite a mysterious thing and you don't really understand why you're doing it or how to do it. So let me just explain a little bit more. I'm going to take the schwa sound as an example. Now, any of you who've had grammar lessons at any point in your life have been told about this mysterious schwa sound. And they always use the same words to uh, demonstrate it. Words like teacher or about. And they tell you that uh, you should just drop your mouth to make this eh sound. Depending on who you're talking to, they will also tell you that in English, sometimes the schwa sound replaces prepositions like you should have told me rather than you should have told me. Now, if that's confusing for you, you're not alone. It's confusing for everyone. And even when I'm giving those examples there, I'm thinking, well, <laughs> I don't hear any real sound there. The problem is, if you study a rule, you're expected to remember that rule. But it doesn't help you use it. Whereas, if you do something practical with that rule then it makes it more alive. If you look through any pronunciation guide, you're going to see lots and lots of rules. The last one I looked at had something like 20 rules. Oh, remember, if these two vowels are together, you make this sound. Remember, if these vowels are together, then you make that sound. Oh, and after the letter K, it's different. <clears throat> after the letter Q, it's different. And if you put N and G, the consonants together, this is a sound. I mean, really, who can possibly remember all those rules? Nobody can. So the best way to be learning this kind of stuff is not about learning the rules. It's about simply copying a person who's using those rules. And when you copy a person who uses those rules, if you're really interested, you can go and read about the rules. But otherwise, you wouldn't need to know. So, for example, if you hear a radio presenter speaking on the radio, he's on there every day, so you can trust him to be a good presenter, you like his accent, what would you do? Run away and write to him and ask him what rules he's using? Because the chances are you're not going to get a reply. And even if you did get a reply, the person's probably going to say, um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know anything about rules. All I can tell you is this is how I speak. Children can't read or write, so they can't follow rules. They just copy their mother and the father. So they don't learn rules. 
to learn immediately the demonstration of the rule. And that is what we're talking about, demonstrating rules rather than learning what they're called. Imagine in your house today, <clears throat> there's a bag of potatoes. Okay, so if you go to your kitchen, you'll find a bag of potatoes. Now, imagine that you don't know what potatoes are. This is the first time you've seen them. So you go to the kitchen, you see this plastic bag, you look inside it and there are these large lumps of something. They look like stones, but they're maybe a bit softer, okay? So in order to find out what they are, you email your friend and you say, hey, can you give me the name of these things? And your friend comes back and says, yeah, they're potatoes. Now, you're very hungry. There's no other food in the house. So now you know what they're called. Does that help you? Are you still hungry? Of course you are, because you don't know what to do with them. You're looking at them and you think, oh, well, they don't look very tasty exactly. What am I supposed to do with them? So imagine a second scenario. You have a bag of potatoes in the house. You know what they are. You know how to cook them, but you don't know what they're called in English. Now, which of those two scenarios are demonstrating the most useful thing. Which of those two scenarios would be most useful for you? Of course, it's using the potatoes because you can cook dinner for a family of six people. But if you just want to know the name of them and then you can't work out how to use them, it's of absolutely no help. So, this brings me back to my point, okay? You can learn as much as you want about the schwa sound and about the rules of English. You can buy as many grammar books as you want. They are helpful because they can introduce you to certain points of English so you know why we say things, but you can't expect them to teach you how to speak. So, that's where shadowing comes in. Shadowing is when you forget about the rules, but you simply listen to a native speaker and copy exactly the way he speaks. Now, if you already have a whole list of vocabulary, very quickly you're going to find that that speaker may be pronouncing words differently. And that's how you learn. You copy him. So, for 20 minutes a day, don't try to translate anything. Whatever you hear, even if it's just ba 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 ba, try to say it. That, in essence, is shadowing. There's nothing mysterious about it. Many people try to make sense of it by writing about it and, you know, looking for special texts to shadow with. Some people like to read when they're shadowing. These things tend to slow the process down. Shadowing is very simply practicing how to speak. It's not about vocabulary. It's not about grammar. And once you get it right, then you'll realize that you're demonstrating the rules correctly. 
you hear this thing that's called the schwa. Now, this is a very different thing from trying hard to find a word with the schwa in it and saying it. Because there's only 50 sounds in English. So if you imitate a native speaker for 20 minutes, you're copying those sounds literally hundreds of times. It's what kids do. Kids can't read or write. And it's one of the easiest ways to learn. And you might think, oh, but that's not learning. But it is. It's learning how to speak properly. It's learning to connect your mind with your mouth. And that's a very different thing from learning new words. So my advice to you today is find a YouTube clip or live radio and simply listen to what the person's saying. Don't try to understand anything. Just like a child, see it as a game. Try to imitate them talking out loud. It sounds crazy, sounds crazy, um, but it'll introduce you to uh, these rules that you're trying to learn in a different way. And it will also help you to understand more about breathing, intonation, fluency, speed. So that's very, very important. Okay, so that's one email that I've had uh, this week. Actually, two emails. Two of you have been asking me to do shadowing texts. But there's no point of doing that. You see, all you have to do is listen and repeat. That's it. There's no big science behind it. It's a perfectly natural thing. It's a simple thing. So 20 minutes a day. Now, I have had another email today which is uh, worth mentioning because it's about relationships, okay? And it's from a woman who, well, I don't know where she's from, actually, but she's in Europe somewhere. And she's saying that she started to date a young English man. And she's asking for some advice because she can see that there's some communication problem, but she's not clear on what it is. Well, first of all, I would say our politeness and our indirect way of communicating makes it more difficult to date a British person, um, both male or female, okay? And the reason for that is because we, first of all, because we're British, we're a little bit arrogant, you know? So we often think, oh, we speak English and you don't. Oh, what a pity. And so we tend to have this kind of tone which suggests that you're somehow uh, at fault or you're somehow weaker or uneducated. That's one thing which is always the British people always have that when they meet non-natives. They don't see them as equals, at least not in the beginning anyway. The second thing I think you need to remember is because of our politeness, we don't automatically tell you things. For example, if I ask my Spanish friend today, how are you? 
I'll be there for five minutes while he tells me exactly how he is, you know? And then I did this, and then I did that, and then I woke up and blah, and everything. And that's just his way, okay? I don't want to stereotype and say that's a Spanish thing. I think it's just a human thing. It's what people do. British people, on the other hand, we are trained not to do that. We are trained to give the other person time to talk about himself or herself and then wait to be asked, and you, at the end of the conversation. If you don't say that at the end of the conversation, you're not giving the person permission to speak. Okay, so for example... If you're dating the British guy and he says, how are you? And you say, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I met my mother this week and we had coffee and we cake and it was absolutely delicious and everything. And really, it was so nice. If you're waiting for him to tell you how his week was, he's not going to tell you until you ask. So you need to say, and you, how was your week? If you don't do that, He's going to think, hmm, well, she never asked me, so I don't have permission to say about my week. And if you continue doing that again and again, he's going to begin to think, you're selfish because you're not asking me anything about myself. Whereas if I go into, let's say, a room of Iranians today, the room won't be quiet. They'll all be talking to each other because I've noticed that in many cultures around the world, they talk at each other, not to each other. They both speak at the same time and they're both happy to express how they feel. In British culture, that's not how it works. There has to be a permission given for the other person to speak. It's considered very rude if you're very loud, okay? Now, of course, it's not always like that. I mean, when British people are drunk or when they're in a very, very relaxed atmosphere with family and close friends, it's a little bit different. But in a dating scenario, when you don't know the person well, you need to be very careful. So the first thing is politeness. Give the person permission to speak. You talk a bit, then you ask them to talk a bit, okay? Because they're not going to do it naturally. If you see them just looking at you, then you know that something isn't right if they're not speaking because they'll feel they don't have permission to speak. It's about a balance of power, okay? That's, that's the first thing. The second thing and this is a bit of a difficulty if you're dating a British person, we really don't care about food, okay? So if you're going to talk for hours about mama's food last night and how delicious it was, you'll probably get a response of, yeah, yeah, that's nice, uh-huh, uh-huh. But if you start saying, oh, but you need to taste the food, it really is delicious, and then that interview that some cultures do, you finish eating mama's food, and then they kind of gather around you. So, what did you think of my mother's cooking? Um, 
that's very intimidating. We don't actually taste food. I mean, we taste it, but not in the same way as you do, because we have no memories associated with it. If you ask me what my mother cooked, well, I can remember the things she cooked, but I can't remember any particular taste or any memories associated with it. So these are cultural things, okay? So you need to be a bit sensitive to that because if you're going to be talking about food day and night, you're going to get a response, a really bland response from the British parson because we really, even though we say we do and we try to make it better by, you know, having these cookery TV shows, it just doesn't work for us, okay? Another thing, the final thing to tune into is the way in which we say no, okay? So, for example, if you say, can we go on a holiday, or what do you think about going on a holiday to, let's just say, a country, okay? What, what do you think about going on a holiday to Norway, for example? And the British person responds with, hmm, that's something to think about. What he's saying there really is, I don't know, but it doesn't sound right, okay? Especially if he's, if he's not enthusiastic about it. It's kind of obvious from that response that he's delaying, all right? If you're waiting for a, oh, wonderful, that sounds fantastic response, that's probably not going to happen either because that's not our way of communicating. But things like, oh, that sounds like a good idea, is a typical British response, very indirect, non-committal. But if you ask for something like a holiday or living in a different place and you get an answer like, hmm, something to think about, or, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm open to that idea, or something like this, that tactic is probably saying, not really, no, <laughs> okay? And it needs a little bit of further investigation before you start packing everything up. And it's very hard for British people to give definite answers. With happy, positive things, you might get a yes, but when it comes to a no, we aren't good at that, okay? And when you're in a culture which is very good at that, you have to be very careful because maybe one month in the future, the British man is going to say, uh, sorry, we need to break up. Or he's not returning your phone calls because he, he remembers that conversation and what you want to do and he doesn't want to do it. But he's not able to tell you. So... That is the kind of scenario you're being faced with, okay? So um, if you are dating someone that's British, just remember these few points. Listen is absolutely number one, okay? If you're accustomed just to talking and for the other person to be talking, that doesn't happen with British people, okay? If you get the person maybe after a few beers, they might open up a little bit more, but then the next day they're not going to remember anything they said. So that's not a good idea either. So it's a bit of a minefield. And if you think that's bad, it's actually the same for British people when they date. We often 
have these difficulties because we never really know what the other person is thinking. When we get older, it's a little bit easier because you can be quite direct with people with more experience and more confidence. You can say things like, what do you mean that should be okay? Is that a yes or a no? What, what, why are you uncomfortable with it? But of course, if you do that on a first date, <laughs> the person's going to run, you know? I think younger people are better at this than older people are. But British politeness really gets in the way of dating. It's, it's very, very important for British people not to be rude. And that in other cultures can really be interpreted as either arrogance or it can be seen as a bit of a problem because the other person is not speaking. Or they might just think that the British person is shy. But you need to be really careful with that because you could be missing some messages. And that's it. So I hope you found this helpful. Uh, let's talk again soon and take care. Bye.